0: a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hi everyone, and Om Shanti. Welcome to The Next Normal in collaboration with America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. Life continues to take us on a turn, some up, some down, some in, some out, but it's exciting, I have to tell you. You know, back in the day when I would go through my stuff, it was like the end of the world. Do you remember those days? And now we're at this particular point where it's not the end of the world. It's the beginning of an opportunity. It's the beginning of our growth. I just cannot find the words to tell you how excited I am about the times that we're in. I'm sure you've been aware of this new book that I'm happy to have been a co-author in, but we've been really having conversations with many of the co-authors in Mayhem to Miracle's book. And today, our next author is no less. Laura Stanley is the founder of Cherish Your Words. She passionately supports people by guiding them to holistic transformations of space, heart, and life. She writes personal essays focused on self-discovery, feng shui, and emotional health. Laura has authored several books, including Live Inspired, Let Go Courageously, and Live with Love, also a Cherish Your Word gift book. She's also a co-author in the new book, Mayhem to Miracles, Sacred Stories of Transformational Hope, in which, as I mentioned, happy to be a contributing author. Laura, a warm welcome. Tell me, how are you doing? I'm
1: doing very well, and thank you so much. It's a delight to meet you, Sister Jenna. Just last night, I read the essay that you co-authored in Mayhem to Miracles, and I was so <laughs> moved. <laughs> yeah, a lot has
0: changed from those nightclub days, no doubt. But before we discuss the book, Mayhem to Miracles, let's talk a little bit about you and what brought you to where you are today. You encourage people to live inspired, and you also authored a book titled Live Inspired, which reveals the brave and deep work of self-discovery. What brought you to this point of personal and spiritual evolution?
1: My goodness, (laughs) so many things, deep difficulty, many, many traumas that I lived, and yet a profound passion I have to grow and evolve myself, because part of what I chose, even as a child, is I just wanted to be perfect, you know, the perfect little girl who could be loved by my own mother. And what I quickly learned is I worked to be as sweet and kind and perfect, <laughs> right? It was an impossible task because, as I learned in later years, I was the scapegoated child, So it didn't matter. (laughs) I burst into the house with utter joy and she screamed at me. I'd come in weeping. She screamed at me. So it was a very difficult time. And then there were other traumas that took place outside of the home. And I know that these difficult experiences shaped me. They didn't define me. And I began to go on a quest, especially at 14 years old. That was the age of that experience of being put in solitary confinement at the psychiatric hospital that my parents then took me to. After then, I had this psychotic break, which I also call a spiritual awakening. My quest to this moment right now began at age 14. And I'm so grateful for the courage of that 14-year-old to speak her truth and deal with the consequences and unintended consequences. And I kind of left the church in search for a faith community. And ultimately, I found it within myself that it's in direct experiences with the divine, with love, with other human beings who are loving (laughs) and genuine So my self-discovery and urge to figure out all the different layers and all the different pieces of what had actually happened to me, the thing that happened when I was nine, the sexual abuse that happened when I was three and nine, and then, of course, very aware of what happened when I was 19, I lost my virginity to a rape. So all of these experiences just kept leading me to my inner world and taking on the inner world of making peace and getting the support from beautiful, wonderful therapists, body workers, transformational workshops, reading self-help books, <laughs> and then learning about meditation and yoga. And all of those new practices and experiences led me to this beautiful moment right now. Oh, my. And I would say also that my own agency, I have a wonderful friend that right now named Mark O'Brien, and he reminds me regularly that free will to make the next choice and not feel powerless. So mm. to shift out of my victim mentality and know that I had free will and choices, mm. I could break the trauma bond inside my soul and
0: break ties
1: with my Family of origin, it's
0: so powerful. Such a profound journey, which is what I shared earlier. And for those of you who are listening to our conversation, I'm sure I want you to just sit and settle in because over 70% of adults have experienced some kind of trauma in their lives. And there isn't like a go-to tool in how to heal it because it's a soul wound of the past, even though it could have been a physical aggression or violence against the physical body, it leaves an impact in the way the soul interprets that scene or that moment. And just this morning I was talking to Sister Gito, my mother, and she's acute in her dementia, so I still talk to her as if she really understands, you know, that's the way I want to keep seeing with her. And I was telling her because she's gone through similar traumatic experience as a child And I look at her and I see her mental, emotional, and spiritual strength and I go, how did you do that? How do you find that place to sit comfortably in the soul and be at peace with the preordained story that was transcribed for you or just written for you to some extent? And I kept thinking about this, everyone. What is it? Why is it that we somehow can't seem to just to live the life we want to live. There's always somebody who comes into the story and tests challenges, gets in the way. And then we look back at our life 5, 10, 20, 30, 50 years later, and we see how helpful it was in making us who we are today. And we always wonder, could there have been another way? Couldn't I have turned to the divine and find myself in a different way. For anyone out there who's endured any sort of trauma, I really want you to know we're holding you today because it's never easy to articulate what you felt or what you do know it didn't feel right. So tell us a little bit about how can someone go about transforming the trauma to actually tap into their superpowers?
1: Well, I know that there was a stage in which I kind of was very intellectual, and I was looking at limiting beliefs, so that's one access place, is to really look at the thoughts that get formed, or even that ticker tape parade, the monkey mind, (laughs) right, that chatters, and mine was an inner bully, it's gone now in my mind. So the mind is one place to begin. But I think with the traumas that I endured, Sister Jenna, I think the body, ultimately I was led to my body. Like I couldn't think my way out of PTSD episodes, which I now understand that's what was happening for me. I would get overstimulated and then I would be reactive, right? And overreactive. And it scared my children my then-husband, and yet I was defensive about it, and I realized, wait a minute, I don't want to be this person who's so reactive, and I needed to drop into my body, and the body work is so profound, so I know there's a lot of research out there now about trauma-informed therapies and tracking back and unraveling the what happened to you, because a lot of time I spent thinking something was wrong with me. And so the shift to what happened to you is a much more useful question to ask. And then also it happened for me, as you pointed out, right? Because I now know that my soul chose this path. So the healing in the body is so profound. And being able to emotionally express and experience the anger, the fear, the grief, the lost childhood, because a lot of what happened to me was I dissociated, as Mm -hmm. you can imagine. I went on freeze. That's a simple way of putting it. And so part of my process has been to go back and thaw and reclaim all those parts of me that were frozen in time and integrate them into my heart and into my being. So doing the emotional work is very, very profound. Because it was interesting, I was in a transformational workshop where they were like, oh, it's not about emotions. It's not about what you feel, Laura. And I kind of balked at that because I thought, no, we are feeling beings. You know, we feel things so deeply. Love, terror, and grief, and loss, Mm -hmm. and bliss." And so to, you know, drop into the heart and not block the heart, you know, that's also been very, very profound. So whatever practices that a person could engage to ground in their body, to feel your feet, to feel your heart. We're always told we have five senses. We have eight. We can feel the urge to go to the bathroom. That's visceroception. We have proprioception, right? So I can feel my feet on the floor right now. And when I put my hands out like this, I know how far away I am from my laptop, right? And then we also have interoception. So we can feel our organs inside. So when you take a deep breath, feel feel the body sensations inside of yourself, right? So it's those inside awarenesses of hunger, of thirst, of a muscle strain, or you know that other delightful feeling that you might feel in your body. So dropping into the body is so important in the trauma healing. And I know that for me, yoga practice was very profound and exactly. allowing me, guiding me into my body. So I'm grateful for the body workers who supported and facilitated that work. And then I also think, because I'm a feng shui consultant, that the material belongings in your physical space tell the story of your life. So if you've got physical belongings in the form of clutter that's blocking the flow or agitating you or makes you feel awful in any way, right, or obligated or guilty, then those physical items can be released. And I don't think it's as simple as, does this bring me joy? Does it not bring me joy? There can be physical belongings that have a whole mixture. There's a whole layered story because we're multifaceted human beings, right? There's the mind, there's the heart, there's the whole body. There's these interactions that we have with the natural world, with you right now, right? be able to start in one of those places because it will all lead you towards the healing. I would also offer that if anybody has night terrors or nightmares, Mm -hmm. because that became the access for me. I know it sounds strange because they're so uncomfortable and scary, right? And yet for me, that was an access to uncover the traumas that had happened to me because my soul was communicating with me through Mm -hmm. those nightmares and those night traumas. And then to get the support, well, in my case, I chose to get the support of beautiful healers who could help me unpack and discharge those energies. emotions, yeah. Yeah, and the emotional and the body memories, if you will, because the body remembers exactly what happened
0: to you. I want to go back to something you said, but sometimes when we are victimized or we experience trauma, we tend to somehow start to blame ourselves and I was wondering that as you said that I started to think about the law of karma that I sometimes wonder why are some people born the way they are or with what they have or the circumstances that appear in their lives and then at the same token I'm like I don't want to deal with karma this should not have happened to me and so what is my process of trying to get over this experience and every time I find myself leaning towards, if this was destined for me to go through, what was the purpose? Mm-hmm. And again, it's like when you look at everything as this unlimited drama of life, and all the world's a stage, and we're mere actors playing out our part, then I find myself just imagining myself sitting in the 10th row of a the theater, and just looking at my drama unfolding, mm-hmm. and do the best that I can to detach from what I just can't believe that was me, you know, the real essence of who I am is pure, peaceful, Mm. and light. Mm. And I think that for those who have experienced trauma, there tends to be a hold onto limited beliefs about themselves. And Mm. what are some of the doubts and fears and behaviors that tend to hold us back from really being happy? Mm.
1: Well, some that I've had are definitely that I was unworthy, that I was not enough. I was never going to be enough. I mean, I earned a PhD and I still have a mother who loathed me. So these outward things, I just, wow, wow, I'm never enough. Behaviors could include procrastination or apologizing for other people's behavior. I know that's something I did. (laughs) I would apologize for the world. The world was of called behaving badly, I would be like, oh, I'm so sorry. So over apologizing, I think also taking on other people's emotional realities and not cleaning up one's own world can become part of a behavior pattern. Like you think you're responsible for other people's choices instead of focusing on the choices that I'm making. I got so outward focused that I needed to take care of the emotional world, you know, make everyone happy around me, <laughs> kind of like try to control the outer world. And it was impossible, right? Because my own inner world at that time was a bit of a mess. Some of the other beliefs, I'm not safe in my own body. I'm not safe in the world. That was a core one, along with feeling unworthy. Those are two very core beliefs that I carried probably all the way up till maybe three or four years ago honestly, and it's just been in the space of the beautiful mountains in North Carolina and being far, far away from where I was raised and lived most of my adult life, that I could really feel safe in my soul and safe in my own skin, safe in the physical structure of this home right now, because there have been no perpetrators (laughs) who have entered this space. So I hope I answered your question. So feeling unsafe like feeling terrified. And well, yet, you would. I mean, look what you've been through. I would too. <laughs> and I think wanting to be invisible, like this whole mixture of wanting to show up, but then wanting to disappear. And it was like simultaneous because our culture is so about performance, right? Mm. I, or That's been my experience. So it's many behaviors that can come out of that, but a lot of them are about unworthiness and not feeling safe in the world.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Those are very significant qualities and whether you've been through trauma or not, many of us feel that anyway. But I think <laughs> it just gets more amplified when we don't have an answer to why what happened to me and it shouldn't have, you know, and we just don't know how to answer that. And sometimes we seek that answer. I think that's why I love just be so conscious, remember God and keep moving because I just <laughs> tell you it's the only thing that saves me. But let's talk about the book now, Mayhem to Miracles. You shared a very heartfelt story dealing with your suicidal son. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about this experience and how were you able to find the miracle in the mayhem as a parent fighting for the life of your own child?
1: Hmm. Well, what I want to say about that is I felt an incredible deep connection always with my son, Sister Jenna. You know, I carried him in my womb, and I deeply loved him and my daughter, who was older than my son, and worked to break the cycle, right, and be a loving, patient parent, even though I had my challenges, for sure. But to do that inner work so I could be present to who these beings were, and I took it on that they were my best spiritual teachers of all time. I literally had that thought before both of my children were born. And of course, then here comes my son with all of the rich lessons he had to teach me. So I learned very quickly he was a sensitive child. He was incredibly intelligent. He tested gifted and talented in many subjects. And he could express himself and was able to describe my own mother to me at four years old in about four sentences. So he came in with deep emotional intelligence that I think even today some adults don't quite have. So with that background and all the different challenges that he was in, he was bullied and there was also by a child in third grade, but there was also an awful substitute teacher. And I remember having to have him meet with the principal and the principal assuring him and showing on her computer how that teacher would never come to the building ever again because she had heard so much feedback from all the parents. So he was already kind of in certain traumas. And then the marriage is falling apart. He was aware of the challenges in the marriage, even at nine years old, because of his acute sensitivity and just his own wisdom and deep awareness. So then fast forward to the moment that the marriage does come apart. The day that I drove my daughter to college happened to be the day that the final, what do they like to say, the straw that broke the camel's back of the marriage took place. I asked their father to leave the house. And so now my son is without his sister or his dad. And of course, he let me know he wanted to live split time. I said, you have every right to split time But the living arrangements of his father at that juncture didn't allow for him to immediately split time with both of us. So I became a full-time care person. It was an incredibly challenging time. I knew he was struggling, but I also knew that I had to continue to grow my life in the space of this rupture, right, that had been growing and building. And in many ways, because I had been doing the deep inner healing work, it led to the end of the marriage, which I'm utterly grateful for have found the courage and the strength and the deep self-awareness at that juncture to put an end to things and no longer have either of us suffer. Yeah, in that painful context, I got the messages. My son is on the top of the roof. I share more about the story in Mayhem to Miracles. And two things. What grounded me were the deep love for my son. And I knew he was young and struggling. I was acutely aware of that and was working to get support for him. And the deep love that I had for myself and knowing that I could make choices on his behalf because he still was a minor and because I was the full-time caregiver, I just went for it. And I think one of the things that really helped me, Sister Jenna, is this realization that my son's choices and thoughts inside of himself were his, not mine. And the only thing I could take control of, if you will, was my growth and evolution, my thoughts, my inner world, my emotional realities, right? And to stay very deep in that commitment to Mm -hmm. his quality care. And I think the key point for me in the story is I did not take his choices personally. And I had a nurse at the emergency room, a beautiful soul, when I walked in. And, of course, it's terrifying and I'm tearful. And they got him to the ER and I'm weeping. And she just embraced me and said, it's not your fault. And what was so amazing to me is as she's hugging me and I'm experiencing this beautiful, complete stranger being so compassionate with me, I thought in my mind, I know that his choice wasn't my fault. And it kind of struck me because then I was like, oh, I actually don't have that belief Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that it was my
0: fault. We tend to blame ourselves for these things. We tend to I know. remember you came from the I am sorry culture for everyone too. So it just goes to show how much you've transcended. How is he doing now by the way? Doing beautifully. He's thriving. Good.
1: Yeah, he has fallen in love. <laughs> and I'm so oh. thrilled for him and we've had beautiful conversations on the phone. Yeah. He continues to show up in
0: Oh beautiful
1: radio and dignity and the most... We well,
0: have to. Look who is this mother. <laughs> From <laughs> Mayhem to Miracles, right? It's one of the sacred stories of transformational hope. What does hope look like to you? And do you think it's really important for us to collectively understand it or maybe even more so just as an individual?
1: I think for me to understand it individually and collectively and Hope is the love possibility. What's possible
0: in love, love,
1: with love, or love? And I may not know, and I may have to hold soft hands for that. But as a human being, I don't think I've ever given up hope completely, right? Not for my son, not for myself, and, you know, not for other people that I deeply love and care
0: about. Looking back at your life, how would you respond to the statement, if I knew then what I know now?
1: Mm -hmm. If I knew then what I know now, wow, I would assure myself that love is the most powerful force in the universe. And it is a noun and it is a verb And it is the energy that connects us to our hearts and our inner beings and to one another. It's the most profound part of being a human being and being alive and to show compassion for all the pieces and parts. Just know that there are pieces and parts and there's wholeness and you are whole. So...
0: Laura Staley, thank you so much for being just so open and transparent and real. really appreciate it. You've touched all of our hearts, and I'm sure those of you who are watching, you are resonating a lot to Laura's stories in many ways. And we're glad that your son is doing well, and we're glad that you had the courage to end the marriage that was no longer serving you at the level that you wished to be served. We're sure your daughter is thriving and doing great. And being a co-author of Mayhem to Miracles will only keep shedding more light on you so you are no longer invisible. (laughs) So (laughs) please leave us with a website where we can find more information about you and your work.
1: Cherishyourworld.com. And thank you so much, Sister Jenna, for this beautiful conversation. I'm generally honored and humbled. Thank you
0: been a delight having you, and thank you for being so honest and open. We appreciate it. That's one of the things that I found that are needed now in this particular time is to be genuine, sincere, authentic, and not worry about always what other people are going to say, but to be able to be your own therapist <laughs> by being honest with yourself. You might not come across in the way that people want you to. You come across <laughs> in the way that God is willing you to. So thank you for joining us. All right, everyone. I'm sure you've enjoyed my time with Laura Staley. Please go to her website for more information. And look out for the book, Mayhem to Miracles, where she is a contributing author as well as myself. And that book is going to bring some life into you like you will not believe. You think you know about miracles? Read Mayhem to Miracles. You know what miracles really look like. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to practice loving each other the same. So let's do it. Take care. Feel free. Share this. Like it. Do whatever you want. But just make the world a better place. Be well. Take care. I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.